GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. In recent weeks, we've spoken to a number of former ministers and former opposition members on their decision to stand down from frontline politics. And today, we heard from Albert Isola. With just eight days to go, we discussed the election campaign as well as the challenges posed by Brexit. And we spoke to Owen Smith of the Federation of Small Businesses, who have had two town hall meetings exploring possible changes to resolve problems for both landlords and tenants. But we start reporting on an after-dinner speech by Keith Asopardi. The GSD leader asked members of the Chamber of Commerce not to believe the scaremongering that the GSLP Liberals are the only ones who can secure a deal. Kellyanne Borge had the details. Good afternoon, Jonathan. As you just said, the Chamber is holding those two election dinners this week. A chance to meet the leaders ahead of the election. It was the GSD's Keith Asabarudi's turn first last night. He said there was a big philosophical difference between the GSLP and the GSD on how things are done and Gibraltar is governed. He said the lies and culture of fear have to stop. Here are just some highlights from his speech. We have a government that pumps all this money, almost a billion, well, more than a billion pounds through this structure of companies and doesn't account for it. Doesn't tell you exactly what is left. Doesn't tell you exactly how these monies have been spent. Because for seven years, Mr. Figaro has had an opportunity to land a deal. For seven years. But what is the track record here? A track record of failure, missed opportunities and concessions. Failure to land a deal, missed opportunities at not negotiating the the ability to get equivalent rights. So, for example, when they negotiate and give away uh, freedom of movement for frontier workers that were working in Gibraltar by the 31st of December 2020, why don't we, at that stage, try to bag equivalent rights for the people who reside here and concessions? Because In the slipstream of the negotiations, they gave a tax treaty to Spain which was negative, intrusive and harmful. And we are still on the Spanish blacklist in the same way that they dropped the ball and we are on the FATF grey list. People know that they can trust me and that they can trust the GSD. We protected Gibraltar before and we will protect Gibraltar again. Keith Asabardi, the GSD leader, speaking Mm -hmm. at a Chamber of Commerce dinner. Yeah, and there was also a question and answer session, as you mentioned. He received questions on the stadium, to which Mr Asabardi gave a guarantee that a GSD government would not use public money. He said he would support the new stadium, but would have to look at the numbers, seeing as the new stadium that's just been built in La Linea, that's cost 7 million euros, when the stadium here is estimated to cost 100 million pounds. There's a big difference, even though it's not mm-hmm. apples and uh, it, to a certain extent it is apples and pears, you know, because uh, one of them is a big project and the other one is more yeah. a, a simple sort of stadium. But and there, it won't there just is... be a stadium; there'll be scope for other development yeah. with it within it. But yeah, but he says he needs to look at the numbers first. Uh, surprisingly, he received no questions on the treaty, but on tourism, an area the chamber does want to tackle. Keith Asabardi was asked how he would improve it, and he mentioned a five-year plan including a hop-on, hop-off tourist bus and improvements to the taxi service. However, he appreciated that this would not be easy. 
He said that he'd met with the taxi association, association this week and he admitted that that meeting was heated. And that chamber will host a, a dinner for the GSLP Liberal Alliance on Thursday. And um, yeah, we'll we'll keep you up to date. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kellyanne Borge, uh, for that update. Um, Fabian Picardo also oversaw uh, a press conference yesterday. Um, which was uh, about the international contacts that he and Joseph Garcia have. And he was very keen to um, point out the uh, amount of digital diplomacy that he and Dr Garcia have carried out in recent years. And he made a point that actually WhatsApp uh, has made that particularly possible. Uh, And he said he has access to the most senior leaders and politicians in both Spain uh, and uh, the UK uh, and uh, the the British uh, family of nations more generally. And Mr. Picardo said he would share contacts, but the relationships that he uh, and Joseph Garcia have built would need to be built again because those are, to a certain extent, driven by the people. Uh, so Keith Asapardi, should he get elected in uh, by the people of Gibraltar, uh, he would effectively be cold-calling uh, a, a politician who he probably doesn't have a relationship with yet, according to Mr Picardo. Uh, and, and that was uh, one of the main points that he was making uh, yesterday in his press conferences, uh, in this press conference yesterday afternoon, that he could pass on the contacts, uh, which he said he would do, uh, even though he did not receive any himself, he says. Uh, in 2011, he got a briefing from the outgoing Chief Minister, Sir Peter Garuana, on the issues that the government of Gibraltar were facing, um, you know, including uh, issues uh, that followed on and flowed from the Cordova Agreement. Uh, He was briefed by Sir Peter on issues, but he didn't get a contact list, uh, Mr Picardo said, which he would be willing to pass on to Mr uh, Asobardi, the GSD leader, in the event that he became the next Chief Minister of Gibraltar. But he was stressing that the relationships that have been invested in uh, in recent years, uh, those would need to be built up again uh, from scratch. And we have heard, and we will hear again uh, in our 130 News Bulletin, I think, that uh, he was also, Mr. Picardo, was also calling for people not to uh, exercise uh, un voto de castigo, uh, not to punish the GSLP liberals for promises that they have not been able to deliver, he says, by virtue of uh, how busy they have been with the COVID-19 pandemic in particular and the unforeseen challenges that that presented the GSLP Liberal government uh, in 2020 and 2021 in particular. Uh, So, um, yeah, interesting stuff emerging from the mouths of the two individuals hoping to be the next Chief Minister of Gibraltar for the next four years, Fabian Picardo and Keith Asobardi. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today. With Jonathan Scott. We have been speaking in recent weeks to politicians who have stepped back from the front line, both um, opposition members and also government ministers or outgoing government ministers, technically I think caretaker ministers in some respect at least um, uh, until election day. Um, good afternoon to Albert Isla, who is one of the individuals who 
has served for 12 years, in your case, Mr. Isla, as a government minister. Not 12 years, apologies, because you came in on a by-election. 10. 10 years. Uh, so uh, for the majority, the vast majority of the 12 years that the Alliance has been in office, uh, but you've decided not to contest this election as a candidate yourself. Talk to us about that decision, please, and good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jonathan, and thank you for having me on the programme. Um, I think for me it's... Uh, 10 years has been uh, an enormous part of my uh, adult life, if I can call it that, in terms of my progression. Um, when I came in at the request uh, or the desire of Fabian, he asked for help. Um, it was something I never imagined doing. I'd, I'd done politics 20 years ago, got it out of my system, was happy that I'd done it. It's in my family blood. Um, and so for me, joining in this in this vision um, has been an extraordinary journey and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Like every job, there are good bits and there are bad bits. There are bits you enjoy more than others. And so as I came to the end of this uh, cycle of Parliament, I'd made the decision with my family that uh, it was time to step back, move on to move on to, to other things, spend more time with a family firm, spend more time with my children and what they hope to bring to, to this world in the coming months and years. So it was a very uh, personal decision and, and uh, I'm, I am very much looking forward to it. If we look at uh, some of the ministries that you've had, um, gaming and financial services uh, among them, uh, which account for a very large number of jobs, and also they are both areas that have seen a significant growth in jobs, uh, and I suppose therefore in the economic importance attached to those industries. Was that very challenging to have to oversee uh, industries with so many jobs and also fairly fast moving because of the um, uh, significant technological component to both. Yes, I mean, look, I, I, I think um, a government's job is to ensure that the business community has the tools that they need to do their business, um, and that sounds very easy, but that means legislation, regulation, uh, marketing, uh, external affairs over which we have no control. Um, the Brexit vote was a key part of that. Um, I mean, if I look back to 2016, before the Brexit vote, we were flying uh, and we were really ready to take off to a level that I think we've, I don't think we'd ever see otherwise. Brexit came along and knocked that for six. It completely took us out of our stride. Um, it threatened the business that we had. And so the priority from that minute on was keep what we've got and then focus afterwards on seeing what we could do to expand that. And that's exactly what we've done. I think the arrangements that Fabian has entered into with UK government on GAR, people need to understand that without that, we would have lost that business. We would have lost the gaming business, which, as you said, I think is over 50% of our GDP, over 10,000 jobs, direct employment. These are big, big numbers. And, and I know in, in 2011, at the election, I remember the GSD expressing concerns for the future of the gaming industry if it was in the GSLB's hands. Well, that was 2,000 staff. Today we're at three and a half, despite Brexit, which lost all the European business to other countries. So I think we've, we're in rude health. If you look at financial services, insurance sector, we were 11% of the United Kingdom insurance market in 2011. Today we're 30% and growing. So we've done really well, despite Brexit, despite COVID, despite all the challenges. And I think we're really well positioned now, but what do we have to deal with? We have the treaty. And that really terrifies me because there is nothing more frustrating than having the legal infrastructure, the regulatory infrastructure, the people skills, the knowledge base, the communication, and not having mobility, which would put all of these industries at serious risk. And so for me, the focus 
for this election should be the treaty because that's the existential threat to our success in the future. If we get that right, I think Gibraltar's going to fly again. In some ways, what you've just said makes it harder to square your decision to exit frontline politics because you have been um, involved in these conversations with industries that potentially could be very heavily impacted by the outcome of those treaty negotiations. Were you, in some respects, pulled to want to see that through uh, uh, to the extent that uh, that it affects you, I know that you know that the actual uh, negotiations on Gibraltar's behalf, the political aspects are, are driven by Fabian Picardo have been uh, by Fabian Picardo and Joseph Garcia. But to the extent that you know they concern gaming and financial services, were you tempted to stay to try and do what you could to ensure a smooth landing there? No, I, I'd made the decision long before. Um, to leave frontline politics. Um, but when, when I say I'd made the decision to leave, I've also at the same time told Fabian that whatever he needs from me, anything, he has it. Um, and so he has my complete uh, support in everything that he needs to do. Um, you know, I heard just on, on your program, but on a quote from Keith speaking at the Chamber of Commerce, saying that we haven't delivered the Brexit deal in seven years with the greatest of respect to Keith, who I consider to be very competent and a friend, it's nonsense. Um, do you know, we signed the, uh, uh, good, the, the New Year's Eve agreement in 2020. Before that... So that, the... that's the exit part, but I think he, you know what he means, he, because a lot of people sort of talk about Brexit as being what happens next, as well yeah, as but, the but, actual yeah, yeah, departure no, no, from. No, let, let me explain why he's totally, totally wrong. Um, because from 2016, we entered into negotiations with Spain and the United Kingdom and Brussels on the withdrawal agreement. That was step one. If we wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have any transition arrangements today. So people would be queuing up to have their passports stamped day in, day out. Not like we're doing today with your ID card. You'd be stamped every day. That's the reality where we are. The withdrawal agreement, the agreement we signed on even on tobacco, we signed an agreement with Spain on tobacco that's unheard of. We signed a tax treaty with Spain. These are things that have just happened by accident? Of course not. So all of these things are staged and have steps, significant steps. Another part of that, of course, was negotiating GAR with the United Kingdom Government Financial Services and the Memorandum of Understanding for Gaming. So these are all pieces of the jigsaw which have happened over a systemic, over a, over a, um, a period of time in a consistent manner to get us to where we are today. But, now, but, but if he's been ungenerous... To, to you and, and not perhaps recognizing that those are steps towards the the, the sort of the long-term security that that everyone in Gibraltar is hoping for then perhaps you have been equally ungenerous to, to what his criticism criticism is which is that we are still without the long-term security what we have are provisional arrangements or uh, memorandums of understanding which make life easier in in the short to medium term but not necessarily in the long term no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's, that's, with respect to you, that's completely wrong. Um, Keith said they've had seven years to do the Brexit deal and they haven't. That is a complete misunderstanding of the reality of what we've been doing for the past seven years. Because these are things, you can't walk in to do a deal on Schengen if you haven't got a withdrawal agreement. There's a process, and that's for all the stages that we've been through. 
What is true to say is that since December 2020, we've been trying to get the Treaty of the Line. That is true to say. That is fair. I think that is what he's getting at. No, he's saying seven years, for goodness sake. Oh, so you're saying that, that the seven years, exactly, that, that he, that he has course. not accounted for the fact that there have been other steps along the way. Well, it, um, it's very significant to get up and say, you've wasted seven years. Well, for goodness sake. Yeah, the time frame is... is, is December 2020 to today, that's fair. And what's happened Because between... that, that's when the UK got its deal. Yeah. No, 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 no. The U- that's when the U- we signed the New Year's yes. Eve agreement. Yes. Nothing to do with the UK. No, that's, but when, d- that's when we exited. That's when we, the, the withdrawal agreement kicked in. Yeah, but and that's when we did the deal on, on the treaty. But what's happened since December 2020? Something called COVID happened in January of 2020, February of 2020. And that knocked the world for six. And the GSC don't like to hear about COVID because it's, it's an excuse. Well, look, it's not an excuse for the whole world to go through a pandemic which has been forced on us. And I think Gibraltar did especially well during the pandemic. We worked to save lives. Frankly, the treaty took second position. So if you're going to be fair, and in politics I think you have to be fair, don't say three years when you know it's not true. Don't say seven years when you know it's not true. And for me, the issue about the treaty is that every business in Gibraltar should feel threatened by a lack of a treaty. And... As far as I'm concerned, and I say this from the position of having been involved in that process because Fabian has taken his cabinet through every stage of the way and got our feedback on each of the steps that he's done, I don't think there's a chance in hell that Gibraltar will get a treaty unless Fabian and Joseph negotiate it. Not because they are super, super brilliant and Keith is not. I think they are better, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to that extreme. But because they have the relationship to the individuals who are able to negotiate a treaty. I've sat in a room and watched a shift in in diplomacy in our, one of the agreements that we signed through a WhatsApp that Fabian sent to a senior person in, in Madrid. I've actually seen it with my own eyes. It's extraordinary, the reach that he has. And I think today, what's Gibraltar's biggest threat? It's the lack of a treaty. Because if we don't get that and we lose our industry, it's going to affect how we pay for our hospitals, our schools, our scholarships. Every single aspect of our community relies on the success of our private sector economy. And that, for me, is at serious risk, and that terrifies me. Let me ask you, um, Mr. Isola, um, on a completely separate topic, but uh, wearing the um, hat of campaign manager for the GSLP Liberals, as you do, I think that spending is capped on at £30,000. Yeah. You're cramming a lot into that, no? You've got party political broadcasts, the rent of a property, manifesto design, manifesto printing, distribution, you say, to every single household, production of videos, adverts on social media which need to be paid for. Yeah. That all fits into £30,000? I think that the people that we have managing this for us are extremely good at what they do and ensure that we comply strictly with the legislation that is before us all. Um, and we've been doing this for many years. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the beauties of the GSLP uh, machinaria, as we call it ourselves, is that it's extremely efficient. I mean, you've got we've got now 20 teams working in different areas, looking after every aspect of what the campaign is going to deal with. The planning, the, fi- the, the thinking, uh, the preparation of the manifesto, the, the, the coordination, the work between this team of people, which is huge, is a joy to watch. I remember coming in to this uh, machinery in, in 1996. I was blown away by it. And today, it's stronger and it's better than ever before. But it's much cleverer 
because we're using technology in ways that we've never had done before. And the communication between us, the skills that we have available to us, some of the young people working with the team using technology are mind-blowing. Uh, it, it really is a joy to watch. I mean, I, I'm so proud of the team and the work they do. For me, as its chairman, frankly, is a very, very easy job when you have as many and as good people as we do. Thank you, Albert Isola, for your time as both uh, the current GSLP Liberal uh, campaign chair and also as outgoing uh, government minister. Uh, can I just ask you for a one-word answer, uh, if you can, how confident are you feeling uh, about this election for the GSLP Liberals? I believe we have a very intelligent people. And I think people in Gibraltar understand the importance of the treaty. And I think they also understand that the person to deliver that is Fabian Picard and the GSLP. So on that basis, I, I, I think we will see through. We had a question come in a short while ago uh, from um, one of our listeners. It was for Albert Isola. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to put it to him when he was here. Uh, but this is what the question went like. just wanted to know, especially after what happened a few months ago regarding people that got into trouble by investing in some of these blockchains. I'd like to, to know what is the position today and whether blockchain and all its ramifications will be uh, followed through. So that was a question by Malcolm and uh, Albert Isla, although he was walking out of the building uh, when we put it to him, he has filed this answer. I think the issue is that the questioner has misunderstood the difference between blockchain and crypto. What we have in Gibraltar is a legislative framework for blockchain, for the technology, for the people that use digital assets using the blockchain technology. The, the question relates to, I assume, Globex, where investors have put money into a crypto fund as opposed to blockchain, uh, which has gone missing and the monies haven't been found. That was not a Gibraltar licensed firm, not a Gibraltar regulated firm, but a BVI firm in which people in Gibraltar invested money. I think people here have to take responsibility for their own decisions. We will certainly uh, continue to investigate that particular case to ensure that nothing like that can ever happen again. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Good afternoon, Mr. Smith. You've uh, recently held uh, last night and a week ago, um, town hall meetings to try and get to the bottom of problems that um, uh, are perceived to exist in the landlords in the legislation of Gibraltar for landlords and tenants. Uh, tell us how those meetings have gone. Well, um, to be honest, they've gone really, really well, and uh, and the reason that we're having these meetings is twofold. On the one hand, as an organisation, we're exploring how we can best represent our members and also to represent members that sometimes have divergent interests. And on the other, we're doing a specific deep dive into a particular issue that has been brought to our attention, which is the state of our Landlord and Tenant Act and members who have come to us expressing dissatisfaction with the strictures that this act places upon them. It's, um, it's a very old piece of law? It's an extremely old piece of law. Um, and the question is, does it remain fit for purpose um, in 2023? And have you already answered that question through your members? I think we have. I think our membership, both tenants and landlords, are unhappy about the state of the act. They both have different concerns, and uh, we do think that it is something that needs to be moved on to make sure that Gibraltar remains a dynamic place to do business. 
So who is impacted by this? I mean, landlords and tenants, is this um, a commercial relationship or are we talking about residential tenants as well? We're we're talking about both. Obviously, on the tenant side, we represent businesses that have commercial tenancies. And on the landlord side, we represent landlords who have commercial tenancies, but they also have residential tenancies as well. And the latter have concern about the both. whereas we don't represent uh, residents, so that they don't fall within the scope of our organisation's criteria. Tell us a little bit about the sort of problems that the uh, legislation, which you say is now outdated and not fit for purpose, um, what does that mean in, in everyday terms well, for your I, I GFSB think, members? Yeah, I think to put it simply, I think the, the types of concerns that are expressed both by landlords and tenants are that it's um, an old piece of legislation uh, which can turn, contains um, certain restrictions and reduces the flexibility that both tenants and landlords have and also imposes some onerous conditions. And so what we're looking for is the positive or exploring the possibility of updating the Act to provide for greater flexibility on the commercial front that will be benefit both sides of our membership, but in different ways. Okay, um, so what sort of, uh, well, what, what do you hope can happen next now that you've gathered this information on, on the inadequacies of the legislation? What would your hope be, the GFSB's hope for uh, how a future government, an incoming government, will deal with your concerns? Well, I think from the GFSB perspective, we are intending to take this, um, I mean, I highlighted one of the other purposes that we're undertaking this meeting, which is how does the GFSB um, represent members that sometimes when their their interests don't align or are opposed? And so what we're exploring is the possibility of making our federation a proper federated organisation. And so that for us is the next step is the GFSB. That's a structural change? That would be a structural change to the the manner in which the GFSB operates uh, with the intention of having uh, many subdivisions of the GFSB, each of them representing uh, sector-specific interests. And this is something we're exploring uh, and one of the mediums or one of the sectors that we're exploring this this possibility is in landlord and tenant. In a way, it would require more people to be more active, no? The GFSB wants to become a members-led organisation because we are firmly of the view, the board of the GFSB is firmly of the view, that in order to become as effective as possible as advocates for business in particular, uh, we need to be an organisation that operates from the ground up. And that means having meetings like this, asking members to tell you what you want to do and then organising those and uh, and seeing where the balance of uh, opinions lies? I think for us it is about ensuring our membership understand what the GFSB can do for them and what they can do for themselves using the GFSB as an organisation. And did, if you don't mind me asking, because I haven't uh, uh, sort of talked to you about this beforehand, did the bid experience challenge that um, a little bit insofar as it was something that the GFSB championed to start off with, but something that eventually uh, has run into difficulties and is at the moment stagnant. Although, if, if you'd like to give us your view on, on what the manifestos yeah. say about that, you're free to do so, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the bid project started off as a survey of the retail environment in Gibraltar, and then it evolved into the bid. And when it evolved into the bid, it was taken over by an independent board and became completely separate and independent to the GFSB. So we were not controlled, uh, we were not involved at all in the control or the rollout of that 
project. Uh, we were and we remain of the view that a bid-style project would be only beneficial for the tenants in the area which it captures. But it's absolutely clear that many individual businesses and uh, persons captured by that um, proposal as it was were unhappy about it and for a multitude of reasons. So that needs to be listened to. Uh, from our perspective, it did inform uh, to an extent the way that the GFSB operates. But I think the GFSB naturally, we've been around for nearly 30 years, and it's natural that every so often you go through a process of review and reform and regeneration, and that is what the GFSB is doing right now. So it's much more informed by that than it is by any experience to do with the board, uh, sorry, with the bid. And I think you will see in the coming weeks as the GFSB begin to roll out some of the work that we've been doing behind closed doors in the last six months as we rebrand, relaunch our magazine, relaunch our website, and you'll begin to see the beginnings of a revitalised and re-energised GFSB. And specifically on the bids, we've seen uh, both the GSLP Liberals and the GSD commit to some form of investment on Main Street. Um, uh, have you looked at their commitments in the manifestos? Are you in a position already to, to sort of express a view? Well, uh, as as uh, probably people know, the GFSB came out with a wish list at the very beginning of this year. It was quite a long list that tackled many um, various areas. Um, we're very pleased to see that some of the items on those uh, on that wish list have been delivered already and would have been delivered over the course of the last six months. And we're also quite pleased to see quite a number of the items on our wish list included in both manifestos. So that's very gratifying. In terms of refurbishing Main Street or undertaking a project like the bid, um, we would welcome any such proposal uh, which would need to be carried out with a proper and full consultation with um, the businesses that are affected by them. And uh, insofar as sort of looking at manifestos is concerned, the GFSB is not going to recommend one over the other, I assume. You haven't done so in the past, no, I don't think? No, absolutely not. I mean, we're an apolitical organisation and we're, we're firmly committed to remaining that way. But as I said, it's very gratifying to see in both manifestos um, aspects of our, of our wish list included. OK, if we look, on, uh, look ahead, um, you've got an event tonight called Down to Business uh, Leaders' Debate. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Keith Azobardi and Fabian Picardo answering business questions. Absolutely. I mean, this has now become a tradition for the GFSB that every election we hold a debate between the leaders. And we're very, very pleased that both leaders agreed to participate in this uh, event some months ago, actually. Um, this uh, this time round, it's going to be slightly different because we've decided to take the debate to the heart of local business and it will be staged in the absolutely fantastic Bacedoni Motors showroom. So um, right from the heart of one of Gibraltar's most successful homegrown businesses. And the debate will focus very much on business in Gibraltar and it gives our members an opportunity to put questions to the leaders and to listen to how they would uh, better deliver leadership which improves um, the environment for doing business in Gibraltar. And uh, interest, I, I assume, has been significant? I'm pleased to say that we have uh, completely sold out of our tickets. More than 200 people attending in person tonight. Is our intention to live stream the debate through our Facebook page, so if people want to watch it, the debate will start at 8pm and you can watch it on our Facebook live stream. 
And uh, they can catch an extended report on Friday at 8pm on GBC television, uh, 25 minutes of highlights That is, as well. um, That is absolutely true. We're very, very pleased that GBC have come on board with us and helped us make sure that um, that the information that's imparted and the, the discourse which takes place this evening is broadcast to a wider audience as well. And of course we'll report on it in the usual manner uh, on Gibraltar today uh, between 1 and 2 tomorrow Thursday, as well as on GBC News tomorrow night. Um, right, uh, in one word then, how is the... Well, I said that to Albedisola as a mistake. In short, how is the uh, the GFSB feeling at this, um, uh, you know, sort of lively political moment just a week and a day before an election? I mean, it's, it's actually very exciting times in Gibraltar. There's so much going on. The GFSB has got so much going on. We've got five election events. In fact, tonight we've got the leaders' debate. Tomorrow we've got the GSLP uh, giving us, um, sending us their candidates to talk about tourism. That's a, a working lunch that we're doing. On Friday, we've got the GSD coming in to talk about tourism as well. And next week, the GSLP will be back to talk about doing business. So we've got lots of events going on. They're all running in parallel to the ordinary business of the GFSB. So it's an extremely busy time for the board and for our employees. And, uh, and frankly, we're really enjoying it. OK, Owen Smith of the Federation of Small Businesses. Thank you for joining us. We had thanked Owen Smith for his time, and, and he was literally walking out of the building, but we've uh, we've brought him back into the studio. Thank you, uh, Owen, for coming back. And um, the question from Frank is, does the suggested update uh, that uh, the Federation of Small Businesses, which you chair, um, the, the, that you're seeking to legislation um, in respect of landlords and tenants, does that update, would it benefit residential tenants? A question from Frank. Well, I mean, the remit of the GFSB is to represent its members. Uh, we have members who are tenants of, of commercial properties, but what we don't have are, are members that, uh, or, well, they may, be, they may be residential tenants, but they're not members of the GFSB as residential tenants. So we don't specifically represent that group of individuals. Um, we do represent landlords who are uh, landlords of residential premises. So it's really... Um, is with them that they, we, we have had this conversation about updating the Act. Um, I, currently, I think it does uh, benefit um, residents. And, uh, and we're looking to see how we can provide for uh, an Act that is perhaps uh, more balanced in the way that it provides for landlords and tenants. But I suppose in simple terms as well, uh, um, uh, an update would be maybe a little bit disruptive to start off with while people get to grips with what the new rules are. But then it should smooth over some things which perhaps, as you said, were, were out of date. I mean, one of the really interesting things that emerged from our discussion uh, last night was the link between residential and commercial tenancies and how that has an impact on the overall ecosystem for doing business in Gibraltar. And I think that that is an aspect that we really need to focus on, um, both as an organisation for the GFSB and our members, but also, I think, for Gibraltar more widely, um, about the impact of having acts which really are, you know, um, unarguably out of out of date. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from one to two, getting behind the headlines, and you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.